Topical discussions, analyses with key newsmakers and thought leaders. All right, Tim Neary joins us now on the line. Good afternoon, Tim. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, and I trust that you uh, got your blanket and gas bottles ready for a cold couple of days. Yes, not with me now, but, <laughs> but yes. Tim, what's happened to the elephants in, in the Okavango Delta? You know that wonderful thing, the more I hear, the more questions that I have, and, and I think that's, that's one of the, one of the, the concerns. Look, you, you painted the, almost the right picture as well. Um, Elephants are dying, and we don't have any answers. Uh, we're in, in the conservation world are getting the same sort of r- runaround. Um, we are told now that Zimbabwe has d- released the first results, uh, but not to the public. So that's gone back to Botswana. Now Botswana are waiting for the results to come back from South African labs uh, so that they can uh, try and see, do these results balance? Um, the sort of things that bother one, though, is, first of all, you don't just have elephants falling over over a, a couple of weeks without raising alarm. And the alarm was not raised. Now, the, one of the opening statements from Botswana, I think, is very concerning. Um, it's a little bit like COVID, isn't it? Oh, but it's only a few elephants uh, compared to the 135,000-odd that we've got. The numbers vary between about 280 and 400, 400 elephants that have uh, fallen over. Sure. Um, now, if it was in the water, we would see a lot of other wildlife dying in the area. So we're not seeing other wildlife dying. Uh, we're not seeing the aerial pictures showing mass die-offs. So, for example, some years ago we had issues in waterholes that were poisoned, um, and then you would see carcasses lying all around the place. Now, a lot of those ellies also don't appear to have been, sav- been scavenged uh, too much, which is also a little bit of a strange one. And um, I'm assuming that in the area are jackal, hyena, uh, vultures, etc., various other birds of prey or scavengers that would be around. We're not seeing great numbers of them lying around dead. So that kind of takes away uh, the poison aspect to a, a certain level, of course. And, you know, it depends on what the poison is. The the fact of them bumbling and stumbling around the place does lead one to ask uh, a question about a neurological issue. Uh, and is that is that something that is a pathogen? Now, we can go back and look at, for example, cheetah. Um, cheetah go up and they sniff bushes and they sniff trees. They call them play trees. And there is a certain fungus that uh, grows at the base of trees certain times of the year in certain areas. It's weather-related. And that, for example, causes a die-off because the cheetah sniffs this up their nostrils, and that causes a die-off of the animal. It's poisonous to them, mm-hmm. and you know it doesn't affect anything else. So the question one asks is, is this land-based? And there has been a lot said, well, okay, guys, terribly sorry, uh, it's because of the drought and that is starvation. I don't swallow that because I would believe we'd start to see a lot of other animals lying around dead as well. Um, the bushes that we're seeing, the, the, you'll see in some of the photographs, there's what appears to be dead bushes. It's not dead at all. There's a, that's the usual winter, winter aspect on most of those bushes. There's a lot of greenery still about the place, and it is a, a pretty sparse area to start with. 
So, yeah, Pamela, it's going to be a very interesting one. The, the tusks, um, interesting enough, some of the photographs that are now emerging don't show tusks at all. Uh, and now, you know, have they been removed by the authorities? Or have the, you know, were they removed by, by the local folk that, that are hoping maybe to sell them at a later date? So, you know, therein lies another question. And then, of course, we've got that huge issue, which is human-wildlife conflict. Now, Ellie's are loved by everybody except the average, I would think, Motswanan citizen who is trying to conduct his daily life and he's confronted by Ellie's on, on, you know, sort of Ellie's crossing the road, Ellie's um, going into his crops and what have you. So therein lies another issue, and that, for example, if we go to Zimbabwe, uh, there are reports that in Zim they are putting poison fruit in bags in the trees so that the Ellie's come along, eat the fruit, and drop dead. That reduces the numbers. So, yeah, there are one huge number of questions that hopefully we get uh, results from the laboratory in the next week, and then we can start to see, is it a pathogen? Um, or you know, or is it a human issue that mm. that's been introduced? If it were the poison in the tree that has been put up by humans, I mean, it would also kill birds, not? Well, yes, if the vultures were scavenging on the animal, uh, it would possibly. But it also would mean depend on the amount of and and the type of poison that they were using. Mm-hmm. Would it affect the bird as well? You know, would it would it be uh, in the ingestion system? Is it because there are so many that there are more animals than there are uh, birds of prey that are, that are going to be opening up those animals? So that's another issue that one wonders about. And then one of the things that's also fascinating me is usually when an elephant dies in an area like Botswana, the locals do descend on the animal, carve it up and take it home for meat. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing that either. So they, they have a sense that something else has gone on there. Yeah, so somebody's got a sense that something else has gone on and it's not been removed. Um, so, yeah, and, How? Just... you know, why, why do you take so long to talk about this? I, I would think when you have one elephant falls over and you know that it's a naturally an old Ellie or it might just be one sick Ellie, that's one thing. When you're starting to have 5, 10, 20, 50, 100, 200, boy, oh boy, doesn't somebody raise the alarm before you set off to go and find an elephant that's got a collar on uh, that hasn't moved for a couple of days? Tim, I mean, I, I imagine that people who live in the area by now have had methods of managing their relationship with the animals. I mean, why, why is this now suddenly showing its, its ugly head in this way? Well, it's, it's quite interesting. Before the change of government in Botswana, um, somehow they managed to live, everybody lived around quite happily. Mm. Um, and then, of course, there was a moratorium. There was no hunting that took place. Uh, now, just before COVID arrived, Botswana was happy trying to find somebody that would uh, take off a minimum of 100 elephants for them. Mm. So, you know, now we've got that issue. And I, I think it, look, human-wildlife conflict is a very real issue. Uh, and in particular in things like drought times where there's a competition for water. But at the same token, when you follow, um, I think his name is Alan Savory, he follows a, a base of animals or wildlife and domestic uh, farm animals on the same landscape. And I actually visited Zim a couple of years ago 
And it was bizarre. We were able to watch from the helicopter elephants walking amongst zebras who were walking amongst sheep who were walking amongst cattle. And there were people with their, with their herd dogs, etc., all in the same area. And everybody seemed to get along quite well. Uh, and I'm assuming they do until, they, you know, until respect breaks down somewhere in the line. Mm. Tim Neary there, our nature conservationist, uh, just giving us a sense of what may have happened to almost 400 elephants in Botswana there that have just gone, they've just died off and nobody knows what's happened. Uh, we'll con- keep an eye on that story. And when the results come through and somebody's willing to talk to us about it, we'll let you know. It's two o'clock. Let's go to the very latest in SABC News with Jolana Tulu.